and greatest, uh, Lou, that you want to share with us? Well, it's a target-rich environment, as usual. <laughs> and I can't help but going back to Georgia. And you know, there's, there's this case down there that I talked about at some length a couple of shows back, uh, Kerling versus Raffensperger, that was brought by Democrats against the state for using Dominion voting machines. And uh, things continue to be interesting with that case. So on Friday... Alex Haldeman, our favorite uh, professor, who's exposed a lot of the problems with voting machines, uh, in open court before the judge, walked over to the defense table, which is the state of Georgia, asked if he could borrow a pen mm -hmm. from his opposing counsel. You mean a pen that you write with? Pen. Yeah, ballpoint pen. Okay. And took that and walked over to the voting machine and used it like a stylus, and within about 20 seconds, hacked into the machine and change the vote totals that they had on that machine. This Unbelievable. This happened in open court? Sure, yeah. They brought a machine in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one certified machine. So uh, the drama continues in that case. Well, what did the judge do? I mean, what was that shot of the case? Well, it's still going. Still going. He said, oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> That's being weird. This is a case that had the Haldeman report, which went into detail on how this could occur. And that was uh, tied up for a couple of years uh, under uh, supposedly national security concerns. But anyway, that's, a, that, that's one worth looking at. That's a blockbuster story, Lou. In fact, that reminds me of the demonstration Mark Cook gave when he toured through Utah. He, with a couple of mouse clicks and keystrokes, flipped an election uh, right on the computer there. And then he did it with a little thumb drive. All you needed to do was push the thumb drive into the laptop, and it flipped the election. Unbelievable. <laughs> Believable. So there's an, another, more developments in Georgia, and this just came out this morning from Gateway Pundit. Uh, evidently, it's been revealed that the FBI uh, aided the suppression of evidence way back uh, before this case began, but this was kind of the genesis of the case, which was a, a hacking that occurred into the election labs that the state ran at Kennesaw State University in Georgia. Mm. So, yeah, a lot going on there. Take a look at it. It's on securevote.news, both those stories. We've been covering this story about media literacy, which is uh, you're too dumb to be media literate if you're a Trump supporter or a patriot of any kind. <laughs> but anyhow, it's about the $700,000 grant from... Department of Homeland Security to Media Literacy Now, which is not a government entity. Uh, and uh, in the application, they said, we need beneficial propaganda, kind of like we had in World War I. Huh. And I don't know if the audience knows a lot about what our government did in World War I with propaganda. It's kind of where government propaganda really started. A guy by the name of George Creel, but this is where they came up with stories that the Germans bayoneted babies and all this kind of stuff, which mm. was all patently false. But anyway, they cited that as being a societal good that we should now have in our time as well. So we've had two or three stories on this, but this is another example of the government stepping in and supporting people who are not us, who are the other team. I see. And uh, so... There's that article. Very interesting article out of Arkansas for those of us who were involved with Secure Vote Utah and attempted to put an initiative on the ballot to return to paper ballots mm -hmm. and to hand counting in the precinct. 
So this organization in Georgia called Restoring Election Integrity is, is trying to put a similar initiative on the ballot in Arkansas, but they haven't gotten as far as we did. They're still trying to get past their, in this case, attorney general, oh. who keeps rejecting the language huh. of, of the initiative for paper ballots. And then there's a second initiative which drastically restricts mail-in ballots to mm -hmm. very a very narrow definition of absentee voting, kind mm -hmm. of like what we had. Mm -hmm. but, so he's accepted, the, the attorney general has accepted the ballot initiative proposal language for the absentee voting initiative, but he didn't like the wording, so he changed it all around. Well, that's not right. Yeah, and and the group doesn't like that, that and, and rejects it. Uh huh. And then in the other case, uh, for the second time, the attorney general has rejected the ballot initiative on returning to paper ballots and hand counts over the meaning of the word disabled voter. Really? Yeah. And and where this comes in, uh, again, audience may not know, but there's a federal law. Elections are uh, conducted locally. They're determined through state law how they have to run. Mm -hmm. But the feds intruded with the HABA Act, first part of the uh, 21st century, and the feds require that disabled voters have a machine they can use yeah. if they have different, different problems, if they're deaf, if they're blind, uh, different other things. And so that has to be in place. You can't change that without going through Congress. So that's always going to be machine voting anywhere. And so they accounted for this, the people and uh, wrote this initiative. But the attorney general said, you know, you know, you're not really using the right definition for disabled voter. This is two times around now. Wow. I mean, this seems ridiculous. Yeah. Me. So anyway, that's a story that I think is worth hearing the drag of as well. Yeah, you know, in here in Utah, we don't have an attorney general that would do that to us. The process here, I believe, is that we submit the language and then... The only thing they can quibble with is the title and the the uh, what goes on the ballot, how it's defined, and and those can cause problems. But those are decided by the Utah Supreme Court, uh, not by the Attorney General. Very interesting difference. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, every state's different on those things. But uh, you know, the people's will is being thwarted all over the country, mm -hmm. and the ballot initiative is a natural way to address that mm -hmm. when they're able when they're able to do it. Yeah. So another Big Brother story here. Unbelievable. This is from the House Judiciary Committee. It's from their website. Mm -hmm. They issued a statement on, this is that weaponization committee we hear about, about the feds pressuring uh, private uh, financial institutions, mainly banks, to flag transactions where the word Trump might be mentioned or the mm. word MAGA might be matched. Now, what kind of transactions? Uh, financial transactions. Oh, financial. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And so like if- Credit card transactions would be oh. a large group of those, but checks as well. Right. So if I wanted to buy a Trump MAGA hat at the local clothing store for 20 bucks, uh, that would be flagged? You better use a code name, Lowe. Yeah. You better not, better not I, call it a Trump hat. I'd better, uh, I'd better pay with cash. Is what <laughs> I'd better do. Absolutely. So, so yeah, like that. Or purchases of, say, firearms- and this is the one that really gets me. I mean, what kind of a society are, are we in now? Purchases of books. No way. Books. Books. And, of course, that includes Christian books, which in particular are called out. Interesting. This is from FinCEN, mm -hmm. which is this federal agency that overlooks 
one of the many that overlooked our financial institutions. And this is unbelievable that this kind of stuff has been going on and continues to, to a degree to which we don't know continues <laughs> to go on. But anyway, there are Jim Jordan and the folks there at the uh, Weaponization Committee and the Judiciary Committee trying to get to the bottom of some of this stuff. And, and finally, I guess... And we got about we got about five minutes uh, here, Lou. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, Illinois is the latest state to consider all mail-in voting. Oh. So we have 24 states now that have accepted some form of mail-in voting that goes beyond the old absentee ballot for people who can't get to the polls. I see, I thought that all 50 states did mail-in voting because of COVID. The case. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Huh. So there are like half of the states still did in-person voting? That, well, yeah. and Good. Yeah. I, now, the, the other thing is that I can't, I don't have it in front of me. Hmm. Some states did do some things during COVID on an emergency basis. But generally what happened was they just kind of sashayed over to the oh. mail-in voting, oh. which is on the agenda. You know, there's a few items as obvious they're trying to push in every state. One is mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. Another one is is preventing any way possible for a voter to complain about the results of an election. There's that lawsuit in Arizona. I I mentioned it. There's a number of cases. But anyway, so uh, Illinois, a fine state with a history of hmm, interesting elections, particularly around the Chicago area. Yeah. I'm thinking of 1960 where they found a ton of ballots floating in the river there outside uh, Chicago. And uh, many people believe the 1960 presidential election in total, the Kennedy-Nixon election, was stolen mm-hmm. uh, because of the vote count in Cook County, which is Chicago, okay. and in Texas, where Lyndon Johnson was, wow. from the vice presidential candidate. Anyway, so now, with that august history and record, Illinois is considering mail-in voting. And you can look at that article on securevote.news because it gets into a report that we really should digest, dissect, Lowell. It came out last year, pretty thorough report about all the ramifications of mail-in voting around the country. Well, excellent. Uh, mail-in voting is such a big, big problem there because of the lack of chain of custody. I know that the Republican Party of Utah is having a presidential poll on their caucus night, March 5th, which is a Tuesday night. And that they are going to great lengths to have custody of those ballots from every single precinct in the state. We have, you know, over 2,000 precincts in the state of Utah. And those ballots that are cast on that night, right, the the state party wants to make sure that they have custody of every single ballot that's cast that night to make sure that, you know. And so in, in this case, it seems like the party is going way above and beyond what the state does for its elections, right? The state, they allow U.S. Post Office to be involved. They allow uh, you to fill it out at your kitchen table, and no one can tell whether you're filling out your wife's form or your children's forms, you know, for them or not. I mean, there's a raft, there's a boatload of problems associated with voting by mail, and and uh, we, and you and I have discussed those problems many times. Many times. But I, I just find it encouraging that the Utah Republican Party is going to such great lengths to ensure chain of custody for those presidential ballots that will be cast during that poll on March 
Well, that's good because they tend they tended in the past to be the first ones in line. I mean, in the whole country, to do computerized voting, voting on the cell phone. Did was didn't Utah have a state convention where they? Yeah, yeah, the convention, the state party convention, was conducted by with voting by cell phone. Yeah, and it was uh, it was problematic. Yeah, but 2016, I think, was the first election anywhere in the country of any kind where they were using that kind of technology, and that was the uh, Utah, excuse me, Utah caucus, the Republican caucus, I think. Yeah, the uh, it was a presidential poll, 2016. That's where Ted Cruz had a lot of popularity. Uh, if I remember right, uh, he uh, probably came in first, maybe, he in Utah, and then Trump was second, I believe. Yeah. I, I voted for Rand Paul, but, you know. That's a shock. Well, I can't believe that. Can't believe that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's we had record turnout in 2016 at our caucuses because everybody wanted to vote for president, and uh, you know I'm not so sure that that's a great emphasis to have. I I think we should emphasize local elections. I think they're far more important than these national elections, these federal elections. I think it's good to be involved and knowledgeable about these federal uh, level elections, but. Where the rubber meets the road is in your own municipality, your own school boards, your own counties. That's where you really need to focus. Well, I think as things degrade in this country, it's going to be critical that you have as much control as possible over your local government and your state government. And, of course, that's why people listen to your show, because <laughs> they think that way, too. Well, thank you, Lou, for being with us uh, here today for Secure.News. With Lou Moore, we've been listening to vote.news. I'm sorry. Vote.news with Lou Moore right here. I had your coffee yet. (laughs) I didn't get enough sleep last night, that's for sure. Right here on uh, KTOC Media, KBJ 1640 AM. We appreciate your joining us here on the path to state and local 